Hi, this is totally PJ Souls, and you're listening to Cinescare. Cinescare Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Speak. And I am also one of your hosts, Joe Jans. And with us, as always, is the super fan, Mr. Mark Biscati. Joe, do you, do you feel it? Do you feel it in the air? That crisp, cool air? The leaves are turning. Seasons I can feel are changing. it coming in the air tonight. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's do, do, wonderful, do, do, isn't do, do, it? Do, 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 Midwest, do, do. man. Midwest. Fall is coming. Yeah, well, it was 100 degrees here, so <laughs> 100 degrees here. But also with us, as always, is film critic from JoeBlow.com, Jimmy O, Mr. James Oster. And if I saw you drowning, I would not lend a hand. <laughs> Phil Collins, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Hi, good morning, uh, or good evening, or whatever, whatever it is. Is it evening? Yeah, it's evening. Good evening. It is. It is evening. Where at this point, where we are recording? Yes. And <laughs> Joe, I don't know if you're aware of this, but and actually, I after listening to some old episode or a lot of other episodes, I, I say I don't know if you're aware of this quite a, quite a lot, Joe. You do. So you do. I I must assume you're not aware of a lot of things. Most of the time, you're right. I don't know if you're aware of this though, Joe. October 1st is coming the day after <gasps> this episode airs. It's, it's airing Friday. The day after is October 1st. That means Shocktober is on its way. That's true. Yeah. So I, my whole idea for September. What? According to the calendar. According to the calendar. But my whole yeah. idea for September didn't really take off because Maybe it was just year. too damn hot here. But yeah, Shocktober is starting this Saturday. So any of you guys who want to do the Shocktober challenge the way, uh, well, Joe and I did last year anyway, and the year before, uh, I think Mark bowed out That's after right. about week two. Yeah. But we watch one horror movie or one horror thing a day. It doesn't have to be a full movie. Sometimes if I don't have a lot of time, I always do a day where I do a couple short movies, short horror films, uh, or, you know, episode of Buffy, something like that, but it's something horror every day and basically mostly horror movies. Uh, but you do it one and some people call it, I think some people are calling it spooktober, whatever you want to call it. But here we call it the shocktober challenge and it's one horror movie a day, 31 horror movies for the month of October. So um you're in the midst of June Tober out there. That's yeah, actually That's it's August August Tober, I think. Yeah. yeah. June's August actually October. June's actually kind of nice out here, but uh you get as the summer goes on, it's August and September can be absolutely miserably hot. So anyway, I uh, I guess before we get to, well, we have a couple themes this time, but uh, before we do, is there anything notable that you watched that was non-theme related this week, Joe? Uh, there were two things that I have uh, watched. 
one of which was notable, which was I saw Barbarian in the mm-hmm. theaters. Mm-hmm. I think we all did, um, right? Did well, everyone... yeah. Jimmy I... saw it before. But I, I I absolutely loved it. This is one of the few movies that I would willingly go see again in the theaters. Uh, wow. Jimmy, I'd like to to thank you for not spoiling a damn thing. Uh, yeah. See? Everything, see, I told yeah, you. <laughs> it, was, it was so worth it. I can't remember the last time I've gone to, into a movie that uninformed, which was mm-hmm. so refreshing because everything you get off that trailer is maybe the first 15 minutes of that movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't exactly. even know there were people in that film, like stars that I, <laughs> I don't even want to say it. I mean, I know he was just on Jimmy Fallon last week, but there are well-known stars that are in this movie that I didn't know. Cause they're not in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great yeah. film. Yeah. They couldn't be in the trailer. It'd, it'd spoil too much. I mean, it's just such a yeah. wild, batshit, crazy film on every yeah. level. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I can't recommend that film enough. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, I think uh, I loved it, too. I thought it was a, a solid, solid horror movie. I really enjoyed it. I think it's um, probably going to wind up top 10 for me this year, I would imagine. And uh, I... I, I really loved it. So, and I think all of the word of mouth about it has been pretty strong. I went with my wife, Michelle, she, she really enjoyed it too. So, and everyone I've talked to has, has liked it quite a bit. So Mark, you saw it, right? No, no. Um, I, I, uh, I, I have some car problems, so I haven't been able to get around too much. So I'm uh, debating that either I'm going to fix the car or I'm going to buy a new car. So I'm in between that. So no, I, I missed out on it, but I am going to see it uh, probably this week. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it just like you guys though. Yeah. yeah. Um, course, the last yeah. thing that I watched is the total opposite end of the spectrum, which of course I watched the monsters today as it came out on Netflix. And I can't think of a bigger waste of time and a dumber movie and <laughs> worse written film that I've seen in most recent memory. Um, I know most people already pay for Netflix and when you watch it, you're like, Oh, it's free. I might as well watch it. It's not free. It's whatever. I know you've got like millions of um, movies at your fingertips for like $15 a month. And each one of those movies, if you break it down, costs like a fraction of a fraction of a cent it's still not worth it. It's mm-hmm. that dumb. I hated it that much. Yeah. That's, that's Rob Zombie's newest film. Uh, I watched, I, I didn't have enough time because when I got home, I only had enough time to start it. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it I, you know, I kind of like the look of it more than I thought I was going to. It, it's kind of interesting and, and I get what he's going for. I, I don't really have a problem with the look, but uh, Lily or um, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie is just not right for that part. It needs somebody with more charisma than she has, uh, and and she's just she's just not right for it. It's it's kind of a lost all anything. Anytime she's on, it's sort of lost moments. <laughs> uh, I like the grandpa guy, you know, and, and just in terms of their performances, I thought you know, mm. but I didn't get to. I think I ended before they woke up Herman, so I. I haven't gotten to him yet, but I I didn't mind the look as much as I thought I was going to, because the trailer really made it look cheap. And this was better than I was expecting, at least. 
I'm not saying there's anything great, but it was interesting. It it has a Halloweeny kind of vibe, which I enjoy. But yeah, that it there that scene where they're getting Herman ready to to you know um, bring him to life is just it's just deadly. There's just it's just long. It needs to be edited up big time. Mm. There's a lot of and then there's lots of little asides, which kind of makes sense in the world of the monsters. But there's a lot of little things that happen that don't need to be in the movie. So, Mark. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with Matt. Um, I, I didn't mind the look as um, as much as that. I thought I was going to hate it. Um, yeah, the trailer doesn't give the movie that much uh, justice. Um I enjoyed this film into a certain part. I enjoyed it in all the way up until uh, Herman and Lily got married. By then, I was exhausted. I was exhausted by it. And but before that, I, I was kind of chuckling. I was I was kind of enjoying it. I kind of enjoyed the look of the film. I, I knew where Rob was going. This should not have been a two-hour film. I was exhausted. Um, I think it was like 40 minutes into it. I was, I was done. Like all the jokes were done, everything he could have done. I didn't mind, uh, uh, the actor who played Herman. I thought he did a quite a good job. The, the Sonny and, uh, Cher, uh, scene. I didn't mind that at all. Uh, either. I, I, I thought it was kind of cute. It, it just, it just ran out of gas around like the 40 minute part. And, mm. The rest of it was just exhausting, and I'm just like staring. I was going, now I can just feel the pain of what Joe was going through from second one. But I, I didn't mind it too too much. But yeah, it ran out of gas, and then it just started becoming repetitive and not enjoyable at all. I read briefly a couple reviews and articles, and. Rob Zombie, his biggest complaint is, of course, that the studio wouldn't let him shoot it in black and white. And I think out of watching that hour and 40 minute long catastrophe, the color is the least of my concerns with it. If it was in black and white, if it was in chromium color, I don't care. It's not right. The color didn't bother me. That's not the problem Mm. that needs to be addressed. The writing, the acting, um, there's not a joke that lands in that thing. And it's, I don't know who the audience is. It's not the same audience that they were trying to reach with the original monsters. Uh, it's certainly not for kids. It's certainly not for me. So I just, yeah, I don't think there's enough going on for kids to be that interested in it. You know, there's just, there's not enough happening at least from what I've seen so far. And this movie's a almost two hours long. Like, if it was edited, I'd love to see. I'd love to see a version where somebody came in and edited this thing and 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 picked up the pace a bit because it might be mildly entertaining as a kid or you know as a kids show or or whatever. But at edit, no kid's going to sit through an hour and fifty minutes of this. So I can't wait for you to see the ending <laughs> when it all comes together. Yeah, yeah I, I, I just I just wonder. Um, just when Rob Zombie is going to figure out that he needs to stop putting his wife in his films. Like I, I love Lords of Salem. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed her in it, but I, I would love to see Rob Zombie branch off without his wife and have just stop bringing in 
same characters and just branch out a little bit and see where he can go because it's just the same hat trick over and over again with them and it's just it's so repetitive yeah yeah uh and uh jimmy did you watch anything that was uh not involved in our theme or anything this this week i did i watched a couple of things and i did not watch the monsters i like rob zombie i'm not watching that crap not wasting my time with that shit. It looks terrible. It, it looks like just garbage. I'm not wasting my time. Um, I did happen to watch. I I was watching Dahmer, the new series, oh. the new on on and whoa, whoa. I, it's I I remember hearing about the case and hearing about Jeffrey Dahmer and and um it, it I can see why people would be because I noticed the 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 reviews are kind of harsh. It's like. 57 on Rotten Tomatoes. And I get that there's, I think people can see it as exploitive because it shows in graphic detail what happened to these poor people. And it's, it also shows how no one gave a shit because they were gay and because they were black. And that's just disgusting. I mean, this guy could right. have been caught. He could have been in prison so many times, but you know, hey, who cares? It, they, I mean, when cops give a 14 year old boy back to a, a a sex abuser great good 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 work guys uh, um but it's i'm halfway through it I, I think evan peters is outstanding outstanding yeah. i it's it's chilling it's absolutely chilling but it's also a it's just a it, i like the fact that you see the parents and you see the society and you see the, all these questions as to why he was able to do this for so long and and it's it's not for the faint of heart it's not a fun watch. It's not like, oh, cool. Let's see some blood and guts. But it's it's there's one scene that was just like, oh, I just felt sick afterwards. It just mm. it's just so disgusting. But I do recommend it if you have the stomach for it. And if you like true crime and if you're not afraid of a little bit of, I guess, sensationalism. But I, I think they handle it well. And uh, yesterday I saw Smile. The, uh, well, actually, no, today. Today's Smile. It's coming out in theaters and. I, have you guys seen the trailer for this? Yes. Yeah. A couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. I think every okay. time I've what, seen a movie in the last month or two, it's been on, it's been a trailer for that movie. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, what do you think? What is your expectations based on the trailer? Let's start with you, Matt. Uh, it, oh, well, Mark wants to talk too, but uh, Mark, Mark, do you, have you seen the trailer? You want to talk really bad. So. No, no, I, I, I just have something to say. I'm not waving my hand, by the way. Um, oh, okay. No, no, I, I am excited to see Smile. Um, I've seen uh, the trailer a couple times. I've also seen some of the promotions where you see the people at uh, baseball yeah. stadiums standing behind uh, uh, the catcher and had that one girl just creepily smiling and nonstop, yeah. and it went viral. Um, they also did it for Good Morning, uh, Good Morning America. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think it's great promotion. I'm excited uh, to see this trailer. Uh, there was a, a, a small clip where a woman was coming up to the door and then the head just drops. And I jumped from that. I, I said, okay, that was effective. So I'm hooked. I'm really excited about seeing this film. Well, uh, Matt and Joe, what do you guys are? Do, do you guys like the trailer? Because I wasn't a fan of the trailer. I'm going to say I, that right now. I wasn't. Yeah, a fan I'm not, of the trailer. I wasn't a fan of the trailer either. I I thought it seemed a little. It was a gimmicky trailer, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I and I thought you know there were a lot of um, 
like the scene where she walks by the hospital room and there's that guy sitting there and she goes in there. That whole scene was very gimmicky looking and he starts yelling at her. It just mm-hmm. seemed like it, it was laughable. And, and when I saw the trailer with audiences, it, it inspired a lot of laughs. Um, so, and not in yeah. the nervous laughter kind, but in the, this is, this looks so stupid kind, but I, you know, I wasn't sure, but so this, you, you're saying, or Joe, go ahead. I, Joe, I've go seen ahead. it. A, I've seen it a few times and I'm kind of with Matt where it did seem kind of gimmicky. I did like, mm-hmm. I will also agree with Mark. The first time that I saw it and the woman walks up to the car door and then all of a sudden her head swings down. That was shocking that I, I appreciated that part. However, I'm very apprehensive. I've seen really good cut trailers like this before that I kind of liked. And then I go to see the full movie and it's like, ah, all the cool stuff is in the trailer. Or you got maybe like another five minutes worth of real appreciation of this film. And then the rest of it's going to be kind of dull. So, well, I mean, I, I don't know that I'd see it in the theater, but um, Mm -hmm. I would like to see it. I I'm, you know, somewhat interested. So, the, the, um, uh, and I'll tell you what I think of it in, in a minute. <laughs> the, the, I wanted the, to get your thoughts. The part with the head swinging down. Yeah. Uh, I, I, ca- I kept thinking, well, that's a pretty cool scare. Why would you put it in the trailer? You know what I mean? Like that would be effective if you had no idea it was coming. And why would you put a your best jump scare, what, or at least what looks like your best jump scare in the trailer. It's sort of, it, but it reminded me of that one scene, that one really uh, sort of a jump scare, just kind of a really creepy scene from that movie terrified. You remember yeah. the, oh, the, yeah, yeah. that the one clown. where the girl or the woman comes running out of the house while the guy's driving off and she's like in this deformed oh. state that, not the one with the clock, not terrifier. That's terrifier. I gotcha. No, yeah. and terrified. Yeah, I terrified. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it reminded me of that scene where that, that woman comes running. At, you see a figure running toward the car, and then all of a sudden she gets to the car, and it's like this weird, um, like almost the thing, like uh, creature sort of. Um, and it, that was really effective. If I'd seen that in the trailer, that one, you know, it wouldn't have been effective at all, obviously, you know. Um, so I, that I had a question about, but so Joe, what were your, or uh, Jimmy, what were your thoughts then? So, uh, it's actually, um, you guys are right. It's all gimmicks. There's a lot of gimmicks. There's jump scares. There's loud music. There's uh weird stuff going on. There's a cat, but it's good. It's actually, I kept thinking, oh God, this is going to be like truth or dare or wish mm. upon or all these crappy movies that are just, but it's kind of brutal. Urban it's kind of creepy. Urban, Urban Legend's good. Urban Legend's a fine slasher film for what it is. This one is a, a lot of the success. It's really well directed. There's some really cool kind of Candyman-ish uh, Ari Aster shots in here. Like, it's really neat to look at. And Susie Bacon, or what is it? It's S-O-S-I-E, Kevin Bacon's daughter. Man, she can act. This girl yeah, is no, Jimmy, really Jimmy's good. Jimmy's cutting out here. Are you, how about now? Do you hear me now? Yeah, you, you're cutting. We're getting like a word here and there. Uh, oh, weird. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with my uh, system, my uh, all right. internet today. Okay. Well, I mean, at least you, it's good that you liked it, and uh, uh, yeah. that gives me hope because I, you know, I'd like a, you know, obviously want another good horror movie to see. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'll have fun. It's a fun time. Good. Good. 
Uh, Mark, what what did you see that was non theme related? Anything? Um, well, I, I I watched the monsters. I was doing some research uh, this past week. Uh, so yeah, uh, not too much. Uh, did you guys happen to see uh, the final trailer for Halloween Ends? Uh, no, I have not watched that yet. Okay. Yeah. Um. It 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 looks pretty good. It looks pretty solid. So um. I'm I'm excited about that. That Halloween Ends is coming up. I'm really excited about that. So. Good. Good. Does anybody uh, really think it's going to end? No. No. This okay. in but this world, yes. This, in this this yeah, version, yes. Mean, like that will not be the last Halloween movie we see. Oh, of oh, course not. No, not. no, no, no. Unless it bombs horribly, and you know, I, but it won't. It's going to make a lot yeah, of money, and it's probably going to be really good. It probably yeah. will. I'm excited. I, I'm excited. Even like if it bombs, them they'll do, bring it back. I would like to see them do either a remake or a sequel to Season of the Witch. Yeah, I'd love to see Halloween three part two. Yeah, mm. you know, I asked uh, John Carpenter about that uh, when I interviewed him for the last. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it was Halloween. That. Yeah, and it was it was a case of he's like, yeah, that's not ever going to happen because it, yeah. it, it's past its prime. That's to be to be fair, things can change, but I don't think so. Yeah, Avatar two, case in point. Yeah, <laughs> Top Gun, <laughs> Maverick, yeah. Top Gun, Maverick. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see Halloween two, Halloween three, two. <laughs> that would be a dream. Halloween come true. 32 or Halloween 3 2. Yeah, just just Is make five? Just make Halloween into <laughs> an anthology. Please six? let yeah. it happen. Just won't happen. Know. It won't happen. Oh, it's wish. never gonna happen. Because people don't care. That's they don't care about that. They want to see Michael Myers. John Carpenter said it. They want they're not they're gonna if they do that. People, why, why even call it Halloween? There's no point. Season of the Witch shouldn't have been called Halloween. It would have been a right. bigger film. It, it should have been just it, called Season of the Witch. Yeah. It was and, a bad idea because when you have will, a super popular character, you're not going to go, yeah. well, okay, let's dump Jason Voorhees and ha- add Woody Woodpecker. I don't know. You yeah. know, it's no one's going to do that. That would actually be awesome. <laughs> it would. A slasher with Woody Woodpecker. That's going to be better than Blood and Honey. <laughs> oh my god i can't wait i'm ready for that uh, all right i uh, i didn't I, other than barbarian i didn't watch anything else um so i think yeah let me i will let me do, just double check here real quick but i'm pretty sure yeah did you watch mad god again i did not no, no. did you no no i'm finally done <laughs> oh no i, I still haven't watch, seen it i did watch mother for the first time i had not seen mother yet um is that what Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I you mean seen wait? That. And you that mean was pre- mother? Yes. No, I haven't. And I and Next I uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was pretty good. It's a little, uh, it, you know, it's a little on the nose. I think with its its um, its uh, I guess symbolism and you know, it's a bit. You know, it's not a subtle film, I'll tell you that much, but uh, it's it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. I didn't love it, but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I guess that brings us to uh, the part two of our episode and that and for that and part three, really, it's in the in the hands of our beloved super fan, Mr. Mark Biscati. Hello, everybody. Uh, so uh, what we're going to do uh, for this episode, we're going to interview somebody, and then we're going to talk about the thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, are we ready? Yes. Matthew, yes. are you ready? I am ready. 
Hello, and I'm Mark Biscati, and welcome to Inside the Cinescare Horror Podcast. <laughs> also with me is the co-host Joe Jans and co-host James Oster. Today we will plunge into a masculine writer, a journalist, a prose writer. You guys going to plunge into me? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hot. A creator. Not only is this man an author, but also an actor in film and plays such as A Streetcar Named Desire, Romeo and Juliet, who he plays Mercutio, and A Few Good Men. And a film that should have won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, Beauty Queen Butcher, for the role <laughs> of Paul Whitewater. Mm, this man has written an alarming chilling, unnerving novels such as The Devil's Glen, Crow's Creek, and his newly hair-raising novel, The Last House. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor, our prestige, our glory, our veneration. Please give a thermal welcome, one of the co-hosts of the Cinescare podcasts, Mr. Matthew Speak. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oops. There we go. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they were mesmerized. They were mesmerized. <laughs> the crowd was... Uh, hanging uh, on your every word. Hanging. Yeah. Yeah. It was a delayed applause from them. Hmm. Uh, first off, um, I have to... Uh, uh, I have to I have to say, um, I, I, I've read your book, Matt. Uh, it's probably the first time I've read a book in over... Uh, Two decades, basically. <laughs> I don't uh, read much. I don't read much, and and I'm not kidding. It, it it's a great book. Um, I was never bored. Um, I was interested all the way. And um, Matt, well done, well done with that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Mark. So um, I, I have a little questionnaire before uh, uh, Joe and James uh, joins in. Okay. Okay. Matt, where were you born? I was born in Webster City, Iowa. Iowa. Where did you grow up? Uh, Bettendorf, Iowa. Bettendorf, Iowa. How many siblings do you have, Matt? I have three. Three brothers. Their names? Uh, Shannon, Terry, and Scott. Huh. And I had a sister who died before I was born. What were your parents' profession? My dad was a teacher and a coach. And my mom, uh, mm, well, she... She worked as a secretary for our church for a while, but she mostly was stay-at-home. Well, your novels are based in Benidorm, Iowa. What was it like growing up there? Uh, it was nice. It was a nice place to to grow up. We had, you know, back in the back when I was growing up, it was it was uh, just a small little suburb of Davenport, Iowa, and um, it was a it was a great little place. You could drive ride your bikes around town and all kinds of stuff. You didn't have to worry about. Uh, about any issues with people for the most part. Um, although at that time was around the time we started worrying a little bit about kids getting kidnapped and that, but, uh, but it was the black safe. Yeah, exactly. It was a pretty safe, um, environment though. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what were your interests as a kid? I loved reading. Uh, I was writing probably from about third grade write short stories about my friends or about the neighborhood. Uh, a lot of the 
a lot of the stuff from Devil's Glen came from some of those those uh, short stories, and and I and I read a lot, and I loved playing football, loved playing baseball, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I have a mix of things I was interested in. Movies. What got you interested in writing? I uh, well. I don't, I don't honestly know. I got into reading because my old, or uh, not oldest, but my second oldest brother, Terry, uh, was really into reading and, and I kind of idolized him when I was young. So I got into reading because of him. He was really into Lord of the Rings. And so I started really getting into it and I read The Hobbit and, and uh, so that I, then I, I just really wanted to be, I wanted to become a writer. Yeah. Nice. All right, those were my seven questions, Joe James. You can <laughs> you can you can join in. <laughs> I don't have oh, any we're... questions, and I don't actually understand how to carry on this conversation because I don't want to spoil anything. Exactly. Um, I can give my because the book just came out. Uh, I can give my review, uh, my honest opinion, whether I knew Matt or not. Is I think this is a fantastic read. I love the story. I don't know how you pull this stuff out of your ass, but it's it's a fantastic uh, case in point. When I was in college, a friend of ours used to call me two book Joe because I'm not much of a reader. I've since changed that quite a bit, but um, I I have only read one other book in my entire life faster than I read this. And that was Colin Jost's A Very Punchable Face. Great book, by the way. Uh, but this was an extremely quick read. I loved that about that. Uh, Matt, you do an excellent job painting a picture and making the setting of the story very uh, succinct. And I love how you've evolved over your past three books with conversation. The conversations all seem very realistic, very natural, and they flow very well. It's and that's that's what makes it a nice, quick, easy read. Um, some of your character development is just like I, I have a picture in my head of who Steve is. Hmm. I have hmm. a picture in my head of who Nadine is. Hmm. Um, all of them, even Max, who's hardly even in the story. Hmm. But um, you, you painted an excellent picture. I agree with Mark. I want to know. I'm not a big chili fan, but I think you need to publish Nadine's chili recipe. <laughs> oh and, uh, yes. and I want to go to the last diner on Earth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like if there is, which I know there is not one, but I think right. one needs to exist. Yeah, I, I wish and there I can was picture, one. I can picture the husband and wife team that are running it. Yeah. They're all in my head. I got it nailed down. So anyway, I highly recommend this book to anybody that knows how to read. So, well, yeah. you know, oh, go oh, ahead. Okay. No, I'll let you. I have, I'll jump into my questions when you need me to. Go ahead, yeah, Mark. Joe, Joe, actually, I have a question for you. When you pictured this diner, um, like I did, uh, was the where, where were the booths for you? Where was the uh, the counter for you? Because mine, because mine was uh, the counter was on. If you like walk into the diner, the counter was on uh, the right hand side, and then the booths were at the at the front window. Correct? Or now, to me, no. it was uh, you walk in. It's like a straight beeline back to the bathrooms the booths were all along the right your right hand side as you walking in and the counter oh, was left. on the left yeah joe is right yeah oh See. or at least that's uh, what i was picturing maybe you should myself. reread that mark <laughs> no that that's the part that i that's the setup that i was that i pictured or you know that when i i don't know that i 
described exactly where they were in relation to each other or not, other than the booths were next to a window. Um, but, but yeah, that's what I pictured too. Yeah. 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 The booths I I always picture was on the left-hand side of the window, but yeah, it was, it was great. And the cigarette uh, machine was absolutely a a nice little touch there. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I, I just want to point out so far we've, we've talked about Matt's past and I've reviewed a book that we haven't told our audience anything about. Yes. So I think either you or Matt, somebody needs to give no, please, like Matt. a brief overview or read the dust jacket or something yeah. okay. and explain to them why they should read the story. <laughs> okay. So I, I'll, I can let you know a little bit about um, uh, what inspired the, the book too. Um, did you have something all immediately to say, Joe? Or, oh, okay. Um, it, it, my, my brother and his wife moved out to Makokura and exactly like this couple, they, they bought, they bought seven acres. I think in the book they buy 10, but in reality, I think they bought seven acres of like this forested land off of a, a guy who owned a bunch of property out there. And, uh, and so they built a house there and <clears throat> they were very straight. It, now my brother doesn't have anxiety disorder and all of these other things obviously were, were fictional, but he was, they, when they first moved in, they were very stressed. Like, what did we just do? You know, cause he is, he's not quite retirement age, but, but they're, you know, he's in his, when they bought the house mid fifties and, and it was, you know, a big purchase, and they, and he, so he was kind of stressed about that. And, and so his wife just had this idea when I was actually, when I was visiting them, uh, when I did the book signing in, in Davenport for Devil's Glen, I was, they had just moved in and his wife, Valerie said to me, I have an idea for a book. A couple builds a house just like this, just like we did in this property and something happens. And that was her idea for the book. It was like, and something happens. And um, so that's where I, you know, I was like, oh, that's a good idea, even though it's very basic b- b- bare bones. And so that's where the idea came from. So the, 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 the story goes like this, this couple, and this is true too, actually, my brother and his wife had a house in Davenport that was haunted. They had recorded voices uh, in fact, my brother gave me an MP3 player for Christmas one year and back, do you remember LimeWire, those, those, those streaming download music sites that mm. you could go and get just basically steal music for free. He, he yeah. had a bunch of songs. He, and he, and he gave me an MP3 player, a little, you know, a little MP3 player for Christmas one year and told me to go down and, and upload as many, all the songs that I could fit on it. Well, in that, unbeknownst to me, I also got a few of his voice samplings from recording ghost voices in their house. And when I got back to California, I was listening to it one night and one of those ghost voices was on there and it scared the crap out of me. Uh, but anyway, they did live in a haunted house and they they moved, they sold that house and they moved out to Makokata. Uh, but that's, and so the characters in this story do the same thing. Um, but unlike my brother and his wife, the the main character Steve Spain, it's Steve and Mara Spain. So the main character he has an anxiety disorder from a traumatic event that happened earlier in his life, and the, this traumatic event has come back now as he's gotten older. It, it he's starting to get anxiety and panic attacks from that previous trauma. 
So when we, when we meet them, they moved to Makokota and they've built this house and they're just moving in. He has therapy sessions and they've discovered there's something going on in their woods, something, what it, what it is, can't say. And there's also something going on in the house that doesn't make sense since it's a brand new house. Um, but then, uh, later he, he meets a woman in town who, whose daughter had been kidnapped, uh, 15 years ago and is still missing. And this crazy woman begs him to, you know, he has nothing to do. He's on a leave of absence because of the anxiety attacks. And so he's like, I might as well just help this woman and investigate it. And that leads him down a road that is sort of tied to the events around their house and sort of uh, tied to things going on in this, in the town. So that's as much as I'll say, cause I don't want to spoil anything, but it, it's just a story that sort of unfolds as it goes. And, and that's really how I write. Uh, you know, I, I sit down and just, just go and let, let the story speak. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to touch on anxiety because I suffer from anxiety and, um, you nailed it. You nailed it, uh, with experiencing anxiety. I don't know if you have anxiety yourself. Um, but, um, just with the holding the breaths, um, the, the, the pounding of the chest, it's, 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 it's a real thing. And I, I, you absolutely nailed it with uh, Steve Spain with that. And more throughout the story with the anxiety, it, it comes with, uh, something that relates to it that I, I don't want to spoil, but it, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. You, you really, you really, uh, you really Thank did well with that. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I have in at times had anxiety myself, uh, at different times. So I, I definitely know, um, you know, I know what that's like and I, and I know how that feels. Um, so that, I, that came from a very honest, place and, and my own experience. Now I never had it to the extent that he did because I didn't ever live through a trauma like that. Um, and of course there's something else, there's more going on under the surface as well that, that is causing, you know, this change in him a little bit in terms of why is the anxiety coming back now? But that of course is told through the story. So, but yeah, I, I, that was something I really wanted to get right was, Matt, was that I feeling jump. Of, of having anxiety and having and and trying to deal with it. How do you deal with it? And then the um, the almost uh, impossible thoughts that you get in an anxiety attack. You know, you start thinking of stuff that you have no control over or that isn't really even a problem and it still causes problems, you know, so. Yeah, yeah with, uh, with, with also Matt, uh, yeah. with, with the, the anxiety that uh, – that he was that Steve Spain was going with with uh, Dr. Newman, his uh, psychiatrist. Um, I love the chapters and uh, the scenes that you had with uh, the doctor because it delved back into some of the past and some really frightening scenes that um, that are still lodged in my head, mm. um, especially uh, walking down into a, a basement. Um, oh. Great, great storytelling there, Matt. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Jimmy, did you Matt, have something? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to jump in here. Um, you know, I'm looking at your your writing career from Devil's Land to Crow Creek. 
why this story and 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 why did you want to approach you know you're dealing with stuff that not only trauma but you're dealing with people close to you was it a challenge to kind of find the balance of oh i'm not i want to tell too much about my family but still tell a really scary story that's fictionalized yeah i mean ultimately it's not about my brother and his wife like they were i Mm. I use them as a model a little bit in their relationship but it's i mean nothing that happens in this happened to them really other than moving to makokata and and building a house in the woods but they haven't had any hauntings there and they you know they haven't had any of these experiences since they moved out there so the stuff that happened in the last house that they lived in, which that that's where the, the title came from as well. It has three different meanings. One is it's, they, they often refer to the last house they lived in uh, and the experiences they had there. This is the last that since at their age, they're not too far from retirement age. This will probably be the last house they'll buy or live in. Right. So in that sense, it's the last house for them. And then the third meeting comes out later towards the end of the book. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, there are some things in the book that happen with them and another character that, um, that, you know, I'm sure they're probably like, I hope people don't think that that <laughs> actually happened with us, you know, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, I, you know, I, I think I made it pretty clear that the events in the story, they didn't really happen to them. Not every, no, not all the things. Yeah. Gotcha. Joe. Uh, I have a two part question. First is uh, who was Nadine based off of? And number two is, can you introduce me to her? <laughs> uh, right, right on joe right on because nadine is one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. in, in the book for sure she's wonderful and yes who is she well i i use a writing program um called scrivener uh for for writing uh novels and and it has a whole setup for you and you there's a whole file that you can keep of photos of the characters and so when i do is i look around for actors that i can picture in these roles right and so i uh, i don't want to say who i picture for everyone just because i want people to have their own picture of people but i i do have a cast basically in mind if it if it were if i were making this as a movie or if i were just to cast these characters i do have people that i looked at but the the character nadine is just one that came out of my head. I didn't really have a specific person, but I, in terms of her uh, looks, I was picturing um, Amy Adams. Mm. Mm. Uh, Matt, did you uh, do you base any of the characters on yourself? Do a lot of authors like to do that. I, I mean, I don't think you can write any, I, I can't write anything that isn't me a little bit, you know, like mm. I think there's some of me and Steve, um, and, and there's some of me in the Max character definitely is sort of based on, not really based on me, but it's a similar situation that he has a brother who lives in Los Angeles and his name's Max, <laughs> which is very close <laughs> to Matt, you know, but, um, but the character of Max is re- relatively small character. Um, uh, but I think, you know, there's a little bit of you in all of the characters. I would think, you know, there's the side of you that is, 
really all of your characters, even though you may not be an evil person, the the events that you write about come from somewhere, you know. Uh, so you're Nadine, you. basically. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I just wanted to chime in who I thought of Nadine. If you're going down that route of yeah. you know actual people, uh, Eva Green. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Definitely I she'd make a perfect one. So. Yeah. I, I, I kind of was picturing Nadine as uh, I think your sister-in-law from the Ang, uh, the Ang Block, uh, Baksha. Oblong Baksha. Oh, uh, Danielle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. I, I, I pictured her a little. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you. It's. Uh, uh, I, I'm glad that there are characters that you can or you can get a picture of somebody. That's that's a good sign, you know, that that they're a well-developed character. But this was yeah. I mean, this was that was sort of the point. I felt like with Devil's Glen and Crow Creek, uh, those started to veer into world building quite a bit. And and they were more fantasy, dark fantasy, horror fantasy. Um, and so there was so much world building in that and so much you know, mythology almost in many parts that I wanted to get, I wanted to tell a more straightforward story that was character driven and not plot driven so much, even though by nature, a mystery and a ghost story are kind of plot driven as well. But, but I wanted it also almost equal footing, uh, a character driven story. And so, so I wanted to have it be a, just a, a straightforward story, short chapters that get to the point and, and that the momentum just keeps building, hopefully, and starts out enough that people are hooked, but that it builds even more at the same time, keeping that depth of character in there. So it's not just action, that there's also, you know, something you care about there. You really like uh, writing about these these dark fantasies. Uh, this is a ghost story. Is there a connection between the films you see and the films you love? Like I I, I think of a movie like The Changeling or The yeah. Conjuring. Does that play into your writing in any way? Are you inspired by say James Wan's work or anything like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I love haunting stories. I love ghosts, haunted houses. Um, those are my favorite you know, the ones that are, I don't know if I'd say f always favorite, but the ones that affect me or the ones that, that kind of creep me out are usually hauntings and usually, mm. um, uh, ha having to do with the paranormal, uh, and I've always loved them. And of course the changeling, I think you and I share, we all share, we all four of us share a love for that movie. Um, and, and it, I'm sure that that movie and the shining and Halloween, they probably, you know, drip through everything that I write, mm -hmm. you know, from atmosphere. Cause then they're all atmospheric, you know? Yeah. And I, I like atmosphere, but also character, interesting characters. And they all have that. Yeah. A, a quick question. Um, what details do you need to start writing a story or a novel, Matt? Like uh, how do you start? Like, like I know saying, I know the saying a writer writes, but how do you start that first sentence, that first thought to put in the reader's, you know, head? I mean, is it daunting or, or, or does it just come naturally to you? Uh, <clears throat> I think in some way it comes, maybe comes a little naturally to me. I've always wanted to be a storyteller and, mm -hmm. uh, and I've, and I, like I said before, I've always written stories. Um, 
so and where the ideas come from, I Devil's Glen was an idea I'd thought of since I was a kid. You know, the idea that Bettendorf has a bunch of parks that are creepy and and there and Devil's Glen is a real park in Bettendorf that was a very creepy place when I was a kid. And it still is. You go there now and it's still there's something creepy, especially if you go there in the fall. And Crow Creek as well. And they also had creepy names, Devil's Glen, Crow Creek, you know. And, and so I, I had this, you know, just an imagination when I was a kid and I would dream up these scenarios. And so a lot of the events of Devil's Glen were just things that I had thought of or, or even written about when I was young. And as far as, as far as, um, the last house is concerned that, like I said, that idea just came from my sister-in-law, like she just said here. And then I started thinking about it and, and another idea just came just like that, my brother gave me another idea uh, like a month ago that I'm really excited about sitting down and writing uh, that one, too. Um, in fact, that one I'm like so interested in that I'm I'm worried I'm going to screw it up because it's such a great idea, which I can tell you after. But um, but so it, and, and as far as writing, it's just a matter of, it's it's a matter totally a matter of sitting down and making yourself do it instead of, you know, it's easy to to say, Oh, I'd rather do this than write, you know, and I do it all. I still do it. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to put it off and procrastinate, but it, it's just a matter of sitting down and just starting to type and, and also acknowledge that the first, th the first draft is going to be absolute shit. There's no way it's not going to be, it, it has to be, it, there's no, you just got to get the story out, you know, and it's like, I, I said that, quote that was attributed to Hemingway I think I said a few episodes ago write drunk edit sober and, that, and that's what I do mm -hmm. I just try to get it out and and then you go back and and work work it and rework it and rework it and I mean I don't know how many passes I've made on this but it's been many so Joe Oh, I thought you had a hand up I I hit I meant to hit my mute button and I oh, okay one, so uh, um well, I, I, I got a uh, quick question. When, when did you start this uh, novel, and uh, when did you actually finish it? Uh, the Last How House, I, I started writing it in, um, I believe, because I, I wrote Devil's Glen and then immediately finished Crow Creek. And then I, I think I started writing Devil, or, uh, The Last House in 2019. I think I finished it when I was living in Iowa and, wow. and then it's been, you know, I've been editing it and sending it out to publishers and, and, uh, sending it out to agents for ever since then, really. And then, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been a while, Wow. but anybody else have any uh, more questions for our, uh, co-host and author Matthew speak? I'm just waiting for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I guess I guess uh, one quick question, just for people who haven't been paying attention: Where can they get it, and how can they how can they read this? Uh, you can get it online any anywhere you buy books at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, anywhere you buy. You just go. I mean, I suppose the easiest thing and what everybody does. I think Amazon has like eighty percent of the book market or something now. So just go to That's Amazon true. and search Matthew Speak, The Last House. And it'll pop up. So, and there's the Kindle version, there's the paperback version. And, uh, but, you know, if you're partial to Barnes and Noble, it's there too. So, 
Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, to to end this interview, um, I've always wanted to do this because I love the uh, inside the actor's studio, and <laughs> I'm I'm really curious what uh, Matt's answers are going to be. This. So we end this interview with the questions of Bernard Peebo. Matthew, what is your favorite word? Oh, uh, uh, I I think Mike. Um, who's the guy who directed the uh, graduate mike nichols mike nichols Nichols. he he had he answered this and i loved it uh thigh (laughs) (laughs) what is your least favorite word uh tin interesting what turns you on matt uh creativity what turns you off uh, rudeness. What sound of a noise you love? Uh, sound or noise I love, uh, probably my dog, uh, barking, you know, making a happy sound like when I get home or whining or barking or whatever. What sound of a noise do you hate? Uh, car horns. What is your favorite curse word? Probably, uh, probably, God damn it. You do what say that it? a lot. I do. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Mark. It's probably, it is my go-to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, directing a film. What profession would you loathe to attempt? Sales. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the heavenly gates? You did good. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for uh, doing that for me. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I, I appreciate it, Mark. And thank you guys for... Uh, taking the time for the last house and I hope everybody goes out and checks it out because it's I, I'm pretty proud of it so hopefully everybody likes it yeah it's it, it, it's wonderful man it, it, it's a great book and scary too guys scary too <laughs> cool. all right so uh, we're, we're gonna move on to just one film uh, yep. one film only uh, we're going to do the thing. The 1982 John Carpenter, The Thing. Um, I picked this movie because, well, we all love this movie. It's a cult classic and probably nowadays one of the most loved horror films of all time. And for good reason. It's terrifying the first time you see it. The practical effects are Oscar-worthy. If not, it, I believe maybe they won some Oscars. Probably not. I don't. It, it was dismissed entirely. The music is uh, mesmerizing. The acting is wonderful. And... I mean, who doesn't love this film <laughs> besides Roger Ebert? Ah! I actually got three nominations, but no no awards. It got... Uh, Including a, a Razzie Award. It a got Razzie? nominated for a Razzie, yes. It got a Razzie? Like, Did it yeah, really? can we just do away with Razzies, score. please? Yeah. <laughs> can we seriously get Save rid of the Save them all for the monsters. That's stupid. Yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. 
Yeah. No, it, it, I, I, I know it wasn't appreciated when it first came out, not to the extent that it is now. And, yeah. um, but I think obviously now it's, it's held in high, high regard. I think when it first came out, it was looked at as sort of a lesser, um, stepchild of alien, you know, even though it's not set in space, it's that, that's very the, well the 80s were full of this kind of thing there's a station someplace whether it's in outer space or under the ocean or in antarctica of a bunch of people doing something and there's an alien uh involved right um or or some kind of creature involved and we just did underwater horror most of those movies were a very similar setup so you're welcome <laughs> but but and so i think this was viewed maybe as you know and also i think the the gore factor it he goes for it on the gore i mean this is it is a gory film especially for that time period um but but i think over the years even probably roger ebert i don't know if he did backtrack because he backtracked on a lot of movies that he appreciated later like the shining he didn't care for at first and he came to appreciate it later and this might have been one of them i don't know joe so i don't understand how this didn't get more praise when it initially came out i to be quite honest i didn't see uh, the thing until maybe 10 or 12 years ago and i was enamored with it the first time i thought i saw it i like felt like I wasted years of my life that I hadn't watched it sooner. And I've watched it several times since then. And I'm just amazed at how professional the special effects were done by some 22 year old, pretty much no name kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I just watched it last night and I mean, I know there's more realistic special effects out there. Uh, especially with computers nowadays, but for a movie done all in practical effects and some of the monsters that they built, this thing was just a monster truck of, yeah. of horror. It was such a fun watch and I still can't get over why it just wasn't, you know, a blockbuster right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, why the thing flopped them. Um, I, I did some research on this, uh, uh, one because of ET. Uh, ET was released two weeks before the thing. Um, then uh, Poltergeist. So wait, was... the thing. The thing was like a because as I remember, I could be wrong, but as I recall, that the, the uh, ET was a summer blockbuster. So the thing was also a summer. That's such a weird time to yeah, it's release. Such a this. weird time. Here, no. here's another thing. Uh, the Wrath of Khan was released one week before the thing. And yeah, this was June twenty fifth. Yeah. Uh Poltergeist was also released a week before. Oh. Another Spielberg. So you got E. T. for the kids in the family with aliens. You had you got Poltergeist, a horror film that was uh I, I believe Poltergeist was a blockbuster. Yeah. And yeah. then you have the Wrath of Khan, a science fiction. It's like, where where is the thing going to go? Which Joe said, I, I mean, this film is ahead of its time with the gore and the special effects. There was no win situation for this film. Well, I mean, it's but it, that explains why maybe it didn't make as much money as it should have. But yeah, 
but it doesn't explain why critics didn't care for it as much and Correct. even audiences didn't take to it. It it I don't I don't get it myself and I I didn't see it in the theater either because this is what came out in 82 so I was too young to see this in the theater but I think when I did see it, it was like in high school and I loved it. I was like wow this is so good. Mm-hmm. And and there's so much tension between those characters and the not knowing who is the thing and all of that. It's just it's not just a gore fest. There's also a lot of really, um, a lot of really interesting ideas behind what it is to be human and who you can trust and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, and I, you know, you you mentioned the 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 the, the characters. Look at you have this. You have Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David, Richard Masur, All these really T.K. Carter. All these phenomenal character actors creating really interesting characters so like when the when the when the gore starts to just overtake you you're already invested in their story and you already give a crap what's going to happen to them it's it's a very smart film carpenter is really good at that he's very good at creating a suspense with characters you kind of give a shit about it's a nice thing Mm -hmm. Jimmy, I'm glad you pointed out the cast, but you were ignoring the most predominant member of that cast, and that's just simply oh. Kurt Russell's hair. It's just <laughs> yes, beautiful. it know, is. He, it's he's like a yeti. You know, it, I just want to watch his hair move in the wind. It's just, Joe, it's you got it wrong too, because it's not Kurt Russell's hair; it's Kurt Russell's hat. That's true. That yeah. hat is. You need a really else. special hat to tap <laughs> top that 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 kind of hair. Yeah, nobody could have pulled <laughs> off that hat but Kurt Russell. Oh yeah. man, that's the that is the dumbest hat I've ever seen. I would um, love that hat. <laughs> the okay, so I have some notes. Adrian Barbeau is the voice of the chess wiz- wizard uh, game. Of course. Uh, oh. The I I I really get a kick out of when the Norwegian guy comes up with his gun. And uh, I can't remember his is his name Falks. I can't remember his name now. But the the older guy in or well one of the older guys gary gary he busts out a window with his gun i'm like that's probably not what you should do when you are in a building in antarctica's but but there's no reason for it like you go out the door and aim at the gun um mccready's hat was ridiculous in 1984 and it still is uh i the crawling head the crawling head scene is just absolutely from the moment it stretches and hangs down from the desk all the way to the ground and the legs spread out. It is absolutely amazing. And when they turn around to look at it, like it's just, it's so beautifully timed. Um, Nightmare inducing nightmare inducing. God. Uh, Dean Cundy is an absolute genius. I think he is a national treasure. He, I think cinematographers do not get enough credit. In fact, it made, made me think like, you know, we were talking about the look of poltergeist and the look of, 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 uh, uh, the, the fun house last week, but the cinematographers really have more to do with that. I mean, I know a lot of directors play cinematographer themselves too, but, but uh, it, the look of those early John Carpenter films, it's Dean Gundy. He's did the lighting. He, that whole, the blue light as nightlight kind of thing yeah. was 
was was something he really made big. Uh, his his he uses wide angles and and his cinematography is just so crisp and clean, and I absolutely love it. Um, uh, they weren't real careful with that blowtorch. <laughs> it, <laughs> it seemed like that that wooden structure down there would have gone up in flames by the time McCready was done killing every last uh, inch of of the place. Um, and don't they have a better way to draw blood than slice fingers? I, it seems like they've got a lab down there and a doctor. They should be able to prick some fingers and get enough blood to to cause the, the you know what they need. Um, and it, and if the not, doc then the, gone by then, right? Yeah. But there's needles. <laughs> I know. Did he I die just, with his needles? I just, I just wanted to point out too, real quick. Did you notice that the doc, uh, Doc Cooper, had a nose ring? Yes. I did. Like in one nostril. Oh yeah, he, he did, just had yeah. this gold hoop. Yeah, yeah. Because it was cool. It, it was just, cool. I, I agree, but that just <laughs> it w- seems the out first of time. time I saw it. Yeah, exactly. Like nowadays, I I could believe it, but back then in 1982, the minute I saw it, I spent most of my time getting taken out of the film, going, "Why does that guy have a nose ring? He's yeah. a doctor." I, they the did it back way, then. Joe. I'm the same way because I didn't notice it until I rewatched the thing uh, earlier today. Yeah. For the first time, I noticed the nose ring. Right. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I never noticed I... it either. And I've seen this movie, I don't know how many times. And, and right. this time, again, this time, just like you guys, this time is the first time I noticed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, one scene that I really love is the acting of the dogs. Um when with the alien coming in, uh, the Siberian Husky at the very beginning, but when the dog's staring out the window so intently, um, it I mean, obviously, it has to do with John Carpenter just filming the dog. But when the dog was when the dog was put into the kennel and just staring at the wall, just sitting yeah. down, it was so eerie and so creepy. It just, yeah, it, it's. This film is almost a perfect film, but I have one problem with this film. Hmm. It's when they put Blair in uh, the tool shed and they leave him there. And then when they come back to do the blood test, Blair has somehow made a cavern and making a spaceship. Right. Like, when did he have time to do that? Well, I think the idea is that he's, if he's an alien, he's super intelligent and you know, I don't know. I mean, did he create that whole underground cavern too? I mean, Supposedly. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, when did he have time yes. to do that? Like, how long was Blair in there? Well, yeah. I love to when, first off, I love me some Wilford Brimley. Oh, but, yeah. um, and he was younger I, than I think most of us. <laughs> yeah. And they shot this all movie, by the way. Yeah. But, you know, when they come, when they come knocking on the door of his cabin and he's sitting there mm-hmm. eating soup or whatever out of the can. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to tell him, you know, look, I don't want to be in here anymore. I, I'm not going to hurt anybody. You got to believe me. You got to let me out. It's not really convincing when he's already fashioned a noose and <laughs> it's hanging right in front of him in between him and the doorway. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to hurt anybody. Why do you have a noose then? Yeah. How long did it take you to make that? I want to know who got the Blair, you know, and he transformed into uh, the thing. Like when, the timeline of how the thing got to each uh, researcher is fascinating to me. And I know there's, a, I, I, I try to um, uh, 
watch some videos and do some research on like how when the thing got to each researcher at a time. Some of them still don't know, and I think John Carpenter wanted it that way. Hmm. But now, I I really want to know like how did they get to Blair? The the big guy that was in charge of the dogs, he never got infected, right? Isn't that what we find out from the yes. test? Yeah, he was he, never infected. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I don't know how uh, other than uh well, the dog walks into a room and you see a shadow turn to the dog and so I assumed that was um that that uh that guy, I, the guy with the beard. Um who is an actor I should know his name by the way but um but anyway I I assumed it was him but maybe it was Wilford Brimley I don't know they we never see who that person is you just see the shadow like the dog walks into one of the rooms and you see a shadow on the wall of a person sitting there and he turns and looks at the dog and then 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 the scene fades mark yeah I I, I mean this is getting nitpicking but with the shadow the shadow had hair so I don't think it was um, I don't think it was uh, Blair because the shadow did have hair. It, it, the shadow was wasn't bald. Um, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I I think we're led to believe that it's Clark, who the actor's name is Richard Masur, M-A-S-U-R, the guy yeah. that was in charge of the dogs. I that's who I've always thought it was, um, mm. and I've always thought that the way Richard or uh, Wilford Brimley got infected was simply because he's got his hands. I mean, he's the one doing all the autopsies and he's also mm. a little freewheeling with that knife. I mean, he could have infected himself trying to do an autopsy on this thing. Cause even after it was dead, he kept telling everybody there's still cellular activity going on in this thing. It's not actually dead yet. Mm-hmm. Jimmy. Joe, why, why do you have a problem with Richard Masur? How rude. With problem with what? Did you hear that? Why do you have a problem no, no. with Richard Miss? Why do you have a problem with Richard Masur? What did he do to you? Oh, I, I, I don't at all. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, would have no, been actually, funny if it didn't freeze. It would have been funny. I really think it would have. I'm not. No, I. So so I believe so. I don't think Clark was infected because they tested his blood. And that's when uh, Child says, well, it looks like you're a murderer now because Clark's blood was tested and it yeah. tested negative. So, but you, you made a point there uh, with Blair. Maybe Blair, when doing the autopsy, was actually infected all this time. Even when he went berserk with the axe and the gun, he's gone, yeah, I'll kill you sons of bitches and all that. Maybe he wasn't, maybe he was already infected and maybe that was just like the whole plot. That's why this film's so great. You just go either way. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know why there weren't a bunch of things. If every molecule of your blood could become the thing, why weren't there just tons and tons of them everywhere? Well, I think that would be the sequel, and they would just call <laughs> it the things. Still thinking. <laughs> yeah. You know, Joe, follow on that alien thing. So. <laughs> Joe, yes, did you Mark. watch the did you watch the sequel or prequel? Because they kind of did that in the prequel. Because I did decide to watch uh, the sequel prequel. I did not. Oh, okay. I was yeah. told we weren't going to be allowed to cover it, so I figured I'd, I'd spend my time reading Matt's book. Well, that was I, time well spent, Joe. Yes, it was. So. Yeah. Great. 
Oh, I have a question about the ending. Uh, spoiler alert, if you've not watched oh. the thing, then you probably shouldn't have been listening to any of this and, and you should go watch it and then come back. But anyway, at the end, are they both things? Kurt Russell and the other guy, have they both been infected at the end? Uh, I think it, <laughs> I think it's crickets. I'm gonna you could go, go both I'm ways. Go, I, yeah. I think Childs is infected. I don't think either one of them are. Yeah. I always thought that, but why I mean, was Childs away? It leaves all it all open. Time? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anything else about the thing? Go see it. <laughs> Go see the thing. We it's Cinescare certified. Yeah. <laughs> or buy the uh, the uh, the um, the the 4K. It's it looks amazing. It looks really, yeah, really gorgeous. Yeah. That's yeah. what I have, and it was I I got the 4K Blu-ray a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks. I can't remember, and I saved it not by choice but i just didn't have time to watch it until last mm. night and it's it's a wonderful transfer yeah i was watching i watched i have an, a dvd of it from i don't even know when i bought it and i put it on and it, it only consumed or it only opened up like part of the screen on my thing so it was just look it was like a little part of my screen on my on my television and I don't know why. Good. So then, but then I saw that it was on Peacock and I, so I put it on Peacock and it, yeah, it looks, it looked great on Peacock too. So gotta love the cock. Gotta love the cock. Yeah. yeah. Cock. Was it letterbox? Yeah. I mean, okay. you know, widescreen, like, you know, yeah. Um, what was the aspect ratio, Matt? <laughs> it was, it was the right widescreen aspect ratio. It just, it didn't fill up my whole screen. It was, it was, you know what I mean? It was like a, a little cutout, you know, it was weird, huh. weird. but, um, anyway, well, I guess unless somebody has something else about the thing, I guess that's it. And, uh, for this the week, thing. but I will, uh, my, it is my pick next and mm-hmm. I have picked, and this is pretty, I, I started thinking about this cause I was really having a tough time narrowing this down cause there's a lot of devil movies I like. And there's a lot of devil movies I want to watch. And so I thought, wait a minute, I don't have to really narrow it down. I can pick my six, but then pick a few more because it's Shocktober. So if you are doing Shocktober Challenge, I have some extras for you. You can watch this week. We won't necessarily talk about all of the extras, at, certainly not in depth, but because it would take too long. But but if you want to keep going, I've got some extra ones, but I'll give you the main ones to watch uh, for devil and it, my my theme is devil horror. I don't know if satanic panic, Satan horror, whatever. Um, but I don't want to say satanic panic because there's a movie called Satanic Panic, and I don't want people to think that that's the <laughs> we're doing a whole episode on that movie. But uh, anyway, the six movies I have picked are uh, I believe three or four of them I've never seen, and two I have seen, but and one uh, slipped in because I think you guys might not have seen it. Uh, all right, let me. Is there it we the go. Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> no. Ah! Um, Adam Sandler's Little Nicky. <laughs> okay, first movie is The Black Coat's Daughter, and mm-hmm. that is from 19 or from 2015. 
stars Emma Roberts and Kierna, uh, Kiernan Shipka from Mad Men. And it is on... Uh, oh, why is it not showing me where it's on? Um, oh, I'm sorry. There it is. It's on Canopy, which is the... If you have a library card, you can rent movies on Canopy. It's an app for that. It's also on Showtime. And you could rent it on 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 Amazon if you want, but Canopy it's free, and if you have Showtime it's free. That is the Black Coat's daughter. Black Coat is one word. Uh, the next one is Blood on Satan's the Blood on Satan's Claw, nineteen seventy one, and this one is on Tubi, Hoopla, which is I think another one of those uh, one of those library things i think i'm not sure if if hoopla is or not but uh anyway it is it is on tubi so and pluto which is i think very tubi like if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um the next one is drag me to hell and this is of course directed by sam raimi i have not seen this one it is on peacock and otherwise it's a, it would be a rental but it's on it is on peacock that is Drag Me to Hell. The next one is The Day of the Beast from 1995. This is directed by Alex de la, Gle- de la Iglesia. It is on Shudder, Canopy, AMC Plus, uh, a, a cornucopia of, of services. And that is called Day of the Beast. The next one is called The Borderlands, and it is on Tubi. Uh, sorry, Joe, it is a found footage film but i hear i've heard nothing but really good things about it so you'll have to suffer and lastly but not least one of my favorite movies of all time the witch and that is on canopy Tubi, plex pluto it's on showtime it's on a whole bunch of stuff this month so that is the witch from 2015 uh, directed by robert eggers and for those of you who are doing shocktober and you're going to watch a movie, I decided what you could do is you could start on Saturday, that's the first, watch any of these six movies, and then that'll carry you to, uh, you can watch four more then, and if you start on Saturday, you could watch ten movies before our next podcast, and that would be, the extra movies are Angel Heart, which is one of my favorites, But it's one, mm-hmm. and I was going to pick it, but it's one that we already talked about last winter when I, I watched it for when we, were, uh, when we did the episode on 7. So uh, 1987, Angel Heart, directed by Alan Parker, starring Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro and Lisa Bonet. Uh, that's Angel Heart. Uh, Sator, which is on Shudder, and that one's from two, 2019, directed by Jordan Graham. I haven't seen this one, but I've heard it's good. Sator, that's S-A-T-O-R. The next one is The Skeleton Key, which I've looked up and it and, and it's it's a, a from what I've heard, it's it's a good sleeper. 2005, uh, starring Kate Hudson. And last but not least, 2016 is The Love Witch. Uh, and that one is on Shutter, Peacock, Canopy, AMC Plus. So there's some options for you if you want to do Shocktober. But the six, as I said before, the the six actual picks are 
The Black Coat's Daughter, Blood on Satan's Claw, Drag Me to Hell, The Day of the Beast, The Borderlands, and The Witch. So that's all I've got then for Satan Horror. Nice. All right. Well, anything else? Did you say Satan Horror? That sounded like Satan Horror, and I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I said Satan Horror. I like it. (laughs) Uh, Anything else? No. No, that's No. No. All right. Well, I guess that's it. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Night. Today we will plunge into a masculine writer.